name is Tracy Cook and welcome to the podcast series Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms, that dare greatly to share their real stories, amazing humans that have seen hope and risen above those adversities to become victorious, but now support and inspire others to do the same. And today we are giving a voice to Sarah German in Canada. Welcome to the Victim to Victory podcast series. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. You're more than welcome. Now, I want to share a little bit about Sarah, and I do have her bio here, and it's absolutely amazing. And we will be connecting and sharing where you can actually connect with her as well. She is a thought leader, and uh, she has a master's degree in social sciences and is passionate about environmental and health issues. She is the host of, she's a fellow podcaster as well, and she is the host of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. If you you need to go and listen to this, it's absolutely amazing, full of um, a lot of uh, life insights as well, and manages the accompanying blog focused on overcoming life's challenges such as mental health issues, obesity, autoimmune disorders and food allergies. She started writing later in life, uh, being encouraged by a mentor at her day job and she began with a blog called Real Life Project in 2011 and then writing for online magazines this woman is absolutely amazing I can't wait for her to delve into her story with you now after taking a break to to have her second child she began the learning to slay the beast blog and eventually would write her first novel and her first fiction novel uh, Pendulum is based on her experiences with a pediatric neuroimmune disorder called pandas and we'll let her ease into her story it's amazing what she has actually been through Uh, she's in Ontario Canada and she lives there with her husband and her two children Sarah who are you and where does your story start well, I think um, the the story I guess I'll focus on is um, my son has a disorder called PANDAS, which um, you just referred to. So PANDAS is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections. So where it really starts is the child, or it can even be an adult, has uh, what seems like a normal strep infection. But unfortunately, instead of the infection clearing like would happen in typical cases the um the child's body continues to fight the infection creating inflammation and it really focuses that fight on the basal ganglia part of the brain. So what it causes is brain inflammation. So it's kind of similar to like an autoimmune or it is an autoimmune. They call it more of a neuroimmune because of the brain piece condition. And this really came on about five years ago for our family. And it was honestly a couple days before Christmas. Everything was super exciting. And all of a sudden, my son came down with um, these eye ticks that were really taking over for him. I was literally reading him a book and it just, his eyes started to blink a lot, to roll. Um, and 
I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe he just needs some rest and, and decided to put him to bed. Uh, but then, you know, the next day they were still there. And that's really when we started this path of, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. I was visiting doctors on the regular. I was um, searching as much as I could online, started to come across references to this disorder, but I didn't really think, um, you know, everywhere said that, oh, it's rare. And I thought, well, then it's, you know, probably really unlikely that that's what he has. And all of the doctors that we were seeing kept saying, you know, these are just transient tics. They're going to go away as quickly as they came. Basically, don't worry about it. But unfortunately, they didn't go away. So we kept digging, kept reaching out um, as much as we could, and eventually did um, come across like a research doctor um, that was willing to see us. He was really close to retirement and he went through the criteria with my son for pandas and and really felt that that is what he had. So we then were referred to a psychiatrist, but unfortunately what started to happen is we would see different doctors but they would only want to treat the one portion of the disorder that they they saw and could treat. So PANDAS is a real collection of symptoms that come when the brain inflammation happens. There are things like ADHD, there's inflammation, there's aggression, there can be tics, OCD, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, a whole number of things come on when, when the child's brain is inflamed. And so when um, some of the medical world is trying to just treat the one portion, it really doesn't get to the root cause and you really don't see progress um, with, with the child's health in this disorder. So I will definitely um, say I'm not a medical professional. You know, I'm explaining this as a mom in terms of how I've understood it over the past few years and all the information that I have. But um you know, it, it's such a challenging disorder. The children come through what are called flares, where the inflammation really ramps up. Um, and then we see a lot of the symptoms coming out. And then it can, can settle down. The flares can last from, you know, hours to days to months. Um, and, and then hopefully the child will come out of it. But it's, it's been definitely a challenging one in order to find treatment. We, have been to so many doctors and, you know, we've had some that really lean in and are really willing to um, do what they can to help. Um, had an, again, another pediatrician that was very helpful, was willing to try um, some antibiotics, which are often used to um, help treat PANDAS. But, um, you know, it wasn't a long course. It was a short course. So I'm not sure if it was enough. Um, and so we've just been kind of in this cycle for about five years now where we're um, moving forward. My son's doing a lot better than he was five years ago, but we're not out of the woods. We're not at sort of that he's well and, and thriving stage. It's it's sort of a management of the disorder um, that can that is is the place that we're at now. And Sarah, how old is your son? 
so now he's 11. So, you know, 11. he was six. Yeah. Yeah. And how does this um, affect kind of the family life as well? Because after that amount of time, um, I suppose this is just the normal routine, but how does that impact on your family life as well? Yeah, it definitely does. And, and I would say because the flares are so up and down, it always tends to take you by surprise. Even though, you know, you should know they're coming at some point, you don't because there are so many things that can bring them on. It's not necessarily a strep infection that brings on a flare. It can be a cold. It can be stress. You know, maybe the child's worked up about something going on at school or a peer situation. And that's enough at times to bring on that um, flare. And so even though you think, you know, that it should be something that we're used to, it does at times take us off guard when we end up in a situation when he's feeling unwell again. Um, and it definitely takes a toll because you know, there's not only the sibling interactions, uh, when the child's not feeling well, there is, um, all of the appointments and the treatments that we're constantly, um, seeking out that, that also take a toll on the family, you know, definitely both, um, in terms of our schedule, because, you know, you're kind of trying to constantly work in appointments, but also financially, a lot of the treatment that we've been seeking isn't covered either, you know, through our typical healthcare. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of alternative treatments where possible, and those, those can certainly be, um, expensive. Oh, definitely. And how does this impact um, uh, as a mum? Because I know that you said that you were reading the book and he had the eye ticks and things like that. Was it mum's intuition as well as, um, okay, I need to I need to go and action something pretty quickly with that? So did you really listen to that kind of that mum intuition at that time as well? Yes, absolutely. And honestly, like I said, I was told so many times, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everything, you know, he's healthy. Um, but I just knew that that, that something was being missed here. Um, and it just seemed to me that it, it was continuing. It wasn't subsiding like what I was told. And so that's where I just kept digging and digging and eventually started to reach out online. I, I was basically searching for anybody that seemed to know something about pandas um, and trying to connect with them to, to basically, you know, see if this is what we were dealing with. And so I remember mornings where I'd get up at like five o'clock in the morning and I'd be online researching, trying to find out what was going on, trying to email people to see if they could possibly help and just hoping to hear back from somebody. And how rare is this? It, you, you mentioned that it's quite rare. Is there communities and support and, and other parents you've connected with that are sharing the same experiences? Absolutely. So it's estimated about one in 200 children have it, which isn't actually all that rare. But um we really think or the community does believe that it is more than that. Just so many cases are being missed because it's such a challenge to get the care, to get a diagnosis. It seems to be one that a lot of doctors believe is controversial, even though there's so much research and science to support the disorder. So, um, it, it, you know, the belief is that there is more 
in terms of community, yes, I've started to find um, communities online where you know you can connect with parents because. It's not something that when you're walking down the street, you know, oh, maybe this family is struggling with pandas as well, right? People are tending to be um, creating that community online through things like Facebook. And um, it really took me some time to start to reach out to those communities because it it just seemed for such a long time that I wasn't sure and I didn't know 100%. Um, and then I wasn't ready. I was just so overwhelmed. I was so, um, I would almost say grief stricken in terms of what we were dealing with that I, I just couldn't, you know, communicate with others. I just found it too overwhelming to read their stories. I found, um, you know, the anxiety in myself would would get so high when I would read some of the things that others were struggling with. Now I'm definitely at a point where I can, you know, recognize that every case is different. And, you know, just because one person's family is struggling with this aspect, that may not be the situation for us. There are so many um, symptoms and um, aspects of the disorder that, you know, there, it, it really can present in very different ways in very different children. But um, I have found that the one thing I hear constantly in the communities now is that there's no clear pathway to care for these children. And unfortunately, so many parents are living a very similar um, existence to mine where they're constantly researching. They're constantly looking for the next type of treatment. They're constantly reaching out to people and, and trying appointments and then coming home kind of heartbroken, really, when, when you don't um, get the help that you were really hoping for from, from an appointment um, that you, you know, waited a long time for and, and that kind of situation. So yes, definitely there are others and um, they're honestly all over the world. I know of, you know, communities within the US, I'm in Canada, you know, I hear of the UK, I hear of Australia, I hear of so many different places um, worldwide where, where people are, are struggling with this. And a lot of people that I've spoken to where their child has received a prognosis or a diagnosis or uh, been diagnosed with something, was there an element at all um, of like parent guilt? I find that that's very um, uh, common for a lot of parents when their child's diagnosed with something, they, they think about what they've done. Was that kind of an element in there as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started to really go over. So my son had scarlet fever when he was five. And, um, you know, that is a strep infection as well. And then um, then he had another one strep, just like strep throat when he was six. And so I really felt like, well, maybe... I should have pushed harder to get him more care with scarlet fever. You know, we did go to emergency. We did go to a pediatrician, but maybe something was missed, right? Um, and then certainly with the strep infection that came on right before the ticks, um, he he didn't seem like he was that sick. You know, it was seemed like a typical sore throat. Um, it wasn't something I was particularly watching for like I am now. Um, and uh, he 
didn't receive antibiotics. I, by the time I got him into the doctor um, and I was more there about the eye ticks and I said, you know, can you please check his blood work? Can you please look and see? And reluctantly the doctor did and found that he had had a strep infection, but he said, well, that was about a month ago now. So he doesn't need antibiotics. The infections cleared, you know, and, and there was no help. And so I often think, oh, what if I had pushed? What if I had you know, known right away? What if he had had a swab? But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I've had so many doctors say to me, you don't know that that would have changed this, but, you know. Exactly. It does exactly. Sit there, and it's for quite sure. a common thing, isn't it, amongst parents to kind of question every single time you've been to the doctor or the emergency or given them a certain script or something like that. It's it's just natural to feel that that parental kind of guilt around that. And it's nothing that anybody's doing wrong, but you do have to sometimes question it as well, don't you? So so whereabouts are you guys these days? Where where is the family unit and and how is your son doing now? So now, you know, he's in um, a much better place. Like I said, you know, we've got some treatments that we're doing with the naturopath um, that's local to us that does seem to really be helping him to manage. We are still dealing with, you know, some of the reactive times, um, but I would say much less than we were five years ago, um, which is great. But I still... You know, as we go back to that kind of constant questioning piece, I'm still constantly thinking, I feel like there's a missing piece here that, you know, there's something we've not addressed. So, you know, part of that is continuing to be on top of some of the emerging treatments and therapies that are out there trying to connect um, with doctors. And so, you know, you mentioned that I'm a fellow podcaster. And one of the things that I've been doing through my podcast, because we are focused on um, health is interviewing a lot of different doctors, practitioners around Panda's Pants, um, partly for myself, but partly because I know that this information is so desperately needed in the community. And so I've been able to hear about a number of different treatments and, you know, we're kind of weighing our options in terms of what's next um, while also working with, with some of the professionals that we're currently with. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is trying to um, contribute to the conversation in the best way that I can. And so that's really what motivated me to write my fiction novel, Pendulum, and it's written under the name S.E. German. Um, and Pendulum is really a mental health focused book. It talks about a young boy that does struggle with pandas and um, a similar uh, kind of overarching disorder is called pans. And so it's, you know, he's struggling with that. And it really goes through what it's like for these kids to have a disorder that it's challenging to get treatment for, challenging to get a diagnosis for, and then sort of that um, waxing and waning of the symptoms in that we see the young boy has times where, you know, he's playing competitive sports, he's um, in school, he's thriving, but then, you know, those times where it seems that the disorder symptoms are back. And so what I really wanted to do with the book was reach out to some of the kids that are struggling with this. It's written at a middle grade level. So around grade five in terms of the language 
Um, and then also to the parents, you know, because again, then they can see a story that's similar, um, hopefully to what they're going through, or maybe just aspects of it resonate with them. Um, grandparents as well. I've had a lot of feedback from grandparents saying, oh, wow, this has really helped me to understand a little bit more of what this is like. And of course, to make it interesting, you know, the book's got some humor in it. The the young boy is is quite a funny kid. And he he really, um, I think, demonstrates a lot of hope and resilience in terms of doing all that he can to, to help himself with the disorder. Um, but generally, I'm also hoping that it can help to raise some empathy in terms of these disorders, uh, put a spotlight on them, but also all the aspects. So I mentioned that pandas includes um, panic attacks, anxiety, OCD, ADHD. We know in our community, so many kids are struggling with even one of those things. And so my hope is that if they can see, you know, I have tics, so does this boy, you know, he's a cool kid. Um, there's, you know, something great about him. Maybe there's something great about me too, and really help them to, to feel valued and, and seen. That's it. And just promoting that uh, it's okay to talk about these things and it's okay to recognise those signs in someone else as well. So I love what you're doing in the space of creating creating that education and that awareness and making it part of a normal conversation as well and no, nothing to be scared of and getting it out into the open. And that's just so valuable, especially at a podcasting level as well, because a lot, a lot of people probably haven't heard of this before, like myself. And, you know, now I can create some awareness and, and have that education as well around that. And just to pick up on the symptoms, it may not necessarily be that, but it just having that in the back of your mind to kind of go, you know what, I think I heard something about this. I might just go a little bit easier on that person because we, especially children, they can be very judgmental, can't they? And, um, you know, mm -hmm. educating the parents is educating the children as well. So I love that. And I love how grandparents, as you mentioned, are really taking on this kind of thing as well. So there's great awareness and education in the communities there. And, um I'm so glad to see that, that your son's thriving. And what do you think his his biggest achievement has been uh, throughout all of this? Um, you know, I think for him, it's the thing that's amazed me the most, I guess, is his willingness and ability to take on so many of the therapies. I mean, we've had to change his diet. He has, um, you know, a number of supplements, vitamins, things like that, that he takes um, just in order to kind of feel baseline well. Um, and so I think that's been amazing. I've had so many people say to me, wow, as an adult, I would struggle with what he does every single day in order to, to just feel normal average, I guess I would say. Um, and so I think that's kind of been, been the biggest thing in terms of his life though, you know, he's really gotten into competitive sports. And, um, I think that's been the biggest thing is having him be able to participate in activities and feel 
well and feel, you know, like he can be part of a team and things like that and, and not be held back. Um, and, you know, one of the hardest things, I guess I would say with pandas and pans, and I hear this from so many parents though, is you feel like you're always kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. And so that's where, you know, I, I just, I do get a little nervous and we're always kind of, um, trying to be ready for, for the next flare, or I guess for me, it's, what's the next step in our path in order to um, get him feeling that much better? Because we keep seeing these glimpses of, you know, how wonderful his life could be. And I want to get it where that that is the baseline for us. And that's where we are all the time as, as much as possible. Well, any parent just wants the best for their children, don't they? They just want to see them succeed and be happy and thrive, whatever that means to them at that time. And what kind yeah. of, what kind of message would you like to leave our audience on? I think um, I'd like to echo what you brought up earlier in terms of mother's intuition, parents' intuition. Um, you know, we really know our kids the best. And when you see a sudden change in your child, it's something to be watching. Um, you know, whether it's mental health or whether it's something like this, this disorder, pandas, pans that came on in our family. And, you know, I think it's really difficult sometimes for parents, if you've never had to play that advocacy role for your child to all of a sudden have to, you know, be asking for more than what you would typically or be saying, you know what, I think we need a second opinion here. We're going to go to another doctor or a third opinion or a fourth. And so if you know something's wrong, follow your gut. You know, it took me a long time to really kind of get in that rhythm of, of moving forward because I just felt like I would go you know, to the doctor, like I said, I would get my hopes up that this would be it. You'd be sort of placated and, and sent out of the room and, and, and that was it. And, and I just feel like if parents can be watching and on top of it as much as possible, hopefully they, they will end up kind of successful. And also what you said in terms of, you know, if you do know that your child's had a strep infection, just kind of keeping an eye on them for, for changes, because we do know with pandas pants, um, if you can get treatment sooner rather than later, it tends to be more successful. So, um, just, just, you know, being as diligent as we can as parents, but, you know, um, just keeping that intuition strong. Oh, I think that is invaluable, the uh, golden nuggets that you've shared here and uh, the awareness and the education around your personal experience. So I really do thank you, Sarah, so much for being brave to tell your story and share your story as well. I'm so glad that your son is thriving as well and your family is full of support for him also. And we'll be sharing where to connect with Sarah. Uh, you are so appreciated make sure you check out her podcast as well. We'll be sharing the links and you can find the Victim to Victory podcast series on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and our Facebook group. So please subscribe, share, and comment to help be the change that the world needs, just like our podcast guest, Sarah German, here tonight. So let me share, share and leave you with a message as well of step into your story figure out who you are and do it on purpose. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.